All right, welcome to the Pious, the Pig, and the Podcast. I'm Colby Mitchell. And I'm Davis Pig. This is the podcast where I try to teach Davis a little something about Catholicism, and then he tries to make fun of me for it. Davis, what's going on? Man, I'm uh, going to have to lead off with my apology to the listeners, as I do when apparently in these uh, episodes every time. <laughs> in one, I finally figured out the settings on uh, my microphone, so maybe I sound as good as Colby this time. And second, for uh, delaying this uh, podcast release, because I've been sick all for the front end of the week. You, you so, should feel bad about that. Thanks for sticking with us. You should feel real bad uh, yeah, about being exactly. sick. Yeah, exactly. But I, I want to uh, keep the... Uh, Keep the listeners happy and uh, hearing our sultry voices. Did you uh, did you see the big news of what Catholic we added to the ranks today? Oh God, no! Oh, um, you're gonna love it. it, it okay, are we uh, okay. Who was it? A celebrity? Yes. Are they a yes. celebrity? Okay. Are they male, male. or female? Or are they female? Oh, well, okay, I'm bad at twenty questions. It's been a minute. Uh, is it Tom Cruise? It is not Tom Cruise. That would be a great Man, that get. would be a hell of a... That'd be a hell of a get. Uh, like, someone who's notably crazy as well, just in a different way. Jose Canseco. Shia LaBeouf. Really? Yes. I would I would classify him as, as distinctively odd. Like, I wouldn't say he's crazy... But he, the man is uh, eccentric. Well, yeah, eccentric is the word yeah. you use for what? Ri- <laughs> yeah, r- rich, crazy people. Like, poor people are just crazy. Uh, rich people are eccentric. Well, he uh, he revealed that on Bishop Barron, uh, his podcast earlier today. He's playing uh, Padre Pio in a movie. And to get prepared for the movie, he went and lived with a bunch of Capuchin monks, which if you know Capuchins, those are like your... Yeah, the monkeys. Yeah, right, the exactly. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. but these are your like very strict and insane monks. Like in Italy, the Capuchins had a program where you would send uh, inmates to the monastery, and one of the inmates begged to go back to the prison because the mon- uh, their lifestyle was just too strict and rigid, and they couldn't do it. So he went. Wait, wait, wait. More rigid than prison? I mean, I thought the, like, kind of defining aspect of prison is that it's, like, rigid schedule and boring everyone's, as hell. Everyone's a gangsta until you have to wake up at 3 a.m. For, uh, for for prayer time. I, I mean, yeah, to be fair, that would make me pretty crazy. Yes. <laughs> but he went and lived with them to get prepared for the movie, and uh, I haven't listened to the whole uh, interview that he had yet, but he said that he was at his lowest point in his life. He was had a gun on the table, was ready to end it all, and uh, was looking for something. And, and he was just going to do this Padre Pio film to revamp his career and start getting back into the game and fell in love with it and became Catholic and is one of us now. Hmm. So pray for him. I mean, hell of an origin story. Like, if... Props for joining the team. If, if he goes uh, off and like becomes a monk and then starts doing a bunch of rioting and stuff, it's just gonna be a great sainthood story if he if he sticks with I'm, it. Honestly, honestly, his trajectory, I a hundred percent see him being a monk, like being like, oh yeah, I became a Franciscan monk for a few years, like just 
That's it. That seems very much like on brand. <laughs> yeah, it does. To just like li- live the monk life for like years. Be like, oh, do you hear about Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's on, he's on the top of the Swiss Alps, like living in a hovel uh, and eating canned beans <laughs> once a week. It's, it sounds yes. That is that is sounds like the path. Yeah. Oh. Huh. So what are we talking about today? Well, today, Cole? besides Shia LaBeouf and you know the potential celebrities that uh we'll bring over to our side today we are talking about the rosary okay cool the the i I would i can't think of anything that's more of like a catholic identifier than if you see somebody with a rosary out in public yeah i mean like how you traditionally have them with like them around your neck right not around your neck typically at your side Uh some people wear them around their necks out of great devotion but uh, uh, or because it looks just sweet. Yeah, if they're not Catholic, I, so, you can so pretty much folk, tell that they're not Catholic if they have it around their neck. Over well, for, a white the, for the folks at home who can't who can't uh, hear my the the dry my dry delivery of jokes and also can't see Colby. It uh, I'm trying to get under his skin here. Uh, for the fo- <laughs> folks wearing rosaries is like a like a pet peeve of uh. Of many a Catholic, it's that's calmed down a lot since when we were in high, in high school. I feel like every time you turned on, oh a music yeah, it was video, like every other guy. It, there was a rosary on it that was nice and gold, and it was like every other guy that played junior college baseball. Yes, like yeah, oh, and and it's not even it probably died out because it's not the most comfortable thing to have around your neck because it is the fifty beads that are clinging mm-hmm. to you, but. Now, uh, I I thought it fitting, because I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, I forgot, it was The Atlantic posted an article that was like, uh, the far right is adopting this new symbol and carrying it everywhere. It's called the rosary, and everybody was just like, okay, The Atlantic, go, try to run with this story. Now, I mean, I, it might just be because I'm seeped in it, or like, you know, again, cradle Catholic, kind of the point of the podcast. Um, but are, are people that unfamiliar with rosaries as a Catholic symbol? Like, I feel like it's pretty ubiquitous. Like it's the Pope and rosaries are, are, they're pretty up there on like the identifiers. They typically the people, there's been kind of a revival of praying the rosary and being focused on the rosary, especially among young men. And those young men also typically want to be very traditional and rigid and, well, living the Catholic faith as fully as they can, which leads them also to conservative politics most of the time, which they put two and two together and like, look at all these extremists over here praying the rosary. There was also a lot of videos coming out right after the Roe decision where there were people defending their churches just standing in front of the doors Uh, praying the rosary. So that also mm -hmm. upset them a lot. And it really is just a powerful weapon against demons. So if you are uh, completely on the side of Satan, you're going to see that as a threat to see somebody carrying a rosary and praying it as well. You got you got the rosary, and then you have the uh, Knights of Columbus sword, the two two main weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we do need to do uh, we do need to do a, a podcast on uh, exorcism. And the Catholic practice. Oh of man! It. I whenever I was discerning the priesthood and figuring out whether or not I should be a priest, I went into that exorcism uh, rabbit hole because I was like, 
the seminar. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, literally, exorcism 101. Well, I started studying it because I was like, you know, if I become a priest, this might be something I will also want to try to be as an exorcist as well. And I got like 10% of the way in, and I'm just like, this is absolutely terrifying. I want nothing to do with this. But I was sitting there, I was like, I just want to stop learning about this now. And then in the back of my head, I was like, nope, I know too much now. I need to learn how to defend myself against demons because this is absolutely terrifying. So I got the full spread on it. Yeah, that'd be a really interesting one to get into uh, the schooling and all that. Because, I mean, doesn't that persist to the day? Oh, obviously, I mean, exorcism does persist to this day. But I still believe that every... Every archdiocese has every to have, uh, like, uh, every mm-hmm. diocese has to have a Vatican educated, uh, or, or I don't know if it. There's ha- a college. I don't think, there, there's a whole. There school. is a whole school. I don't know if they have to go to the Vatican to get trained, but uh, I know they have to be trained in how to be an exorcist. Yeah, yeah. So every diocese, yeah, yeah. has has a trained exorcist, and they typically stay anonymous as well. One, so people aren't calling them up all the time. And two, you don't want to mm-hmm. open yourself up to even more attack from this way or the other. Whether it be demonic in the spiritual realm or just crazy people in the physical material world that are banging on your door, like, trying to get you. Yeah, and then people, like, expect you to dress up as Blade, and then, you know, there's just there's just all this pressure yeah. uh, to conform. Yeah, Exactly. And you, you, you want to make sure... If you're an exorcist, to have a nice stone bunker where you can do your exorcisms and make it as creepy as possible whenever you're doing it as well. Yeah, surround yeah. your house in a moat of holy water. Right. You know, now the contractors know whenever they're building your, uh, you know, rectory. Your moat. Right. It's kind of like the people who built the Bat Cave. Like, mm, they obviously know that Bruce Wayne's Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The um. The very yeah the the silver spikes laid around the house, though I might be conflating exorcism with uh, vampires and werewolves right now. But you know, whatever it's a great image. The other. We're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go with well, it. But anyway, well, let's talk about yeah the the weapon of choice. My the the one I have on me every day is the rosary. You keep that thing keep, on you, Kobe. I keep myself no, strapped. I, I keep, that's now that's two podcasts in a row that I've been able to slip in, keep that thing <laughs> on you. So uh, the rosary is something that I've started uh, last year. Father Mike Schmidt, he's a very handsome media priest. Uh, he did Bible in the Year, a podcast, 365 days, go through the entire Bible, had some little commentary to it. Uh, and my wife, Kaylee, she went through the entire thing in a year. And it helped her tremendously. And after she was done, she goes, I need to do something else. So she got us on, she started doing rosary in a year, starting this January 1st. And I said, that sounds great. I'll do it with you. And started praying the rosary with her every single day. And it has been fantastic. It has given, uh, I feel a lot more peace in life since I've started praying the rosary every single day. Doesn't mean everything's been hunky-dory. There's still been a lot of stress that's come up. But it's just been it's been great to be praying the rosary every day. But I didn't know anything about it before I started praying it. I just knew how to pray it, what the mysteries were, and all that jazz, which we'll go into Well, honestly, here. 
honestly, you're you're saying is like, oh, I, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew how to pray it. Well, I think that's pretty much a, a barrier for entry for a lot right. of folks. Because I, I can definitely tell you, um, the way I know how to pray rosary is not how to do it on the uh, on the Catholic website. Like, <laughs> gotcha. Which either, which I know we all have computers in our hands, but it's like, yeah, no. Uh, no, it's well. It also takes it away a little bit too. If you're sitting there trying to pray and you're also looking at a computer screen, like, all right, what's next? Okay, that it. That, I did know. I well, I didn't know completely how to pray it. I knew the general idea, but I did have to like go memorize some of the prayers and stuff like that. Yeah, that, though. I mean, I think it is kind of like uh, participation grades to an extent. Yeah, you don't you don't get an A plus, but like. You get points for trying. Yeah. Well, and the the rosary yeah. itself too has changed over the years uh, since its origins. So it started well by tradition. By tradition, the rosary was given to Saint Dominic, who started the order of preachers, the Dominicans. If you ever see uh, nuns or priests in the all white, they're yeah. Dominicans. Um, and and when when was that? That would have been. Yeah. Ooh, shoot! When did Saint Dominic live? Saint Dominic. I mean, if it, I mean, I feel like the rosary as a concept has been around for like more than a few hundred yeah. years, so it's got to be. So he was eleven seventy to twelve twenty one was whenever he, uh, he was born, or or whenever he was when he lived here, and he. Okay, so honestly, earlier than uh, later than yeah, I thought. Yeah, I didn't I mean, know that either. Little less, little. Yeah, little under eight hundred, little over eight hundred years. Yeah, it it, huh. uh, it was kind of shocking to me that it's so young <laughs> in the Catholic sense. It's you know eight hundred yeah. something years old or whatever. But he he had that to combat the Al uh, Albigensian heresy, which don't ask me about that. Oh, you killed I that. I don't know anything about the yeah, Albigensian heresy. I believe it had something to do with the Crusades, but I I can't remember. Um. Uh, early 12th, early 12th century. I mean, that's around the time of like, I think the first like origin of the inquisition within the Catholic church. So, I mean, so, I mean, which was, was specifically like to combat heresy, i.e. try people for heresy and then likely execute them. Um, they had chance for last rites. (laughs) Oh my God, Colby. Um, but no, that, I mean, that does kind of line up with the, the first kind of iteration of the Inquisition as a whole. Yeah. So, so maybe it had something to do with that, about that. We'll do a whole heresies yeah. one, one day, but now the rosary then, whenever he was creating it, didn't look like it does today. So we learned all this from St. Louis de Montfort on the origins of the rosary. He wrote a book, The Secrets of the Rosary, and talked about how the Blessed Virgin gave the rosary to them. Now you can you can believe that Our Lady showed up to Saint Dominic physically and gave him the rosary. You can believe too that he was just inspired by the Blessed Virgin to create the rosary. It doesn't matter on that. It's one of those things that you can believe what you want on that. The Church isn't said, oh yeah, she for sure made an apparition to Saint Dominic and uh, handed him the rosary. Saint Louis de Montfort liked to use some very colorful language to get his point across. So it, it probably most likely was just St. Dominic going, we need some way to, you know, really get our prayer focused in. I mean, prayer beads are not like a new concept, even in like the, the, the time frames we're talking about. I mean, prayer, 
prayer, like knotted prayer ropes have been a thing for literally a couple thousand years. And I'd imagine beyond that. Yeah. It's like the, it's the, it's the fidget toys of, of early, early Christianity. We didn't have ADD medicine back then. We had to have something to hold on to and really, really get focused in on how how to pray. That's why I have this pen sitting here. (laughs) Flicking it back and forth. Messing around. Looking around in my hand as as we podcast keeps you focused. Well, the uh, what we do know about how the rosary kind of was originated to to really become what it is today is that medieval monks would pray the 150 psalms every single day. So they'd pull out the 150 psalms and would read through them and pray them and and do that together starting at th- starting at 3 a.m. with the inmates and exactly waking them up uh-huh. Shia LaBeouf just sitting there with them reciting those uh, psalms but at the time too they had lay brothers that were you know wanting to become Dominicans or maybe they just were laymen in the the town that wanted to pray so and lay brothers in this country I mean they're they're pledges sure that that's yeah a, a pretty good actual uh comparison right there is they are they uh-huh. are pledges yeah. they're they're trying to become monks um i can imagine the the dominican hazing is pretty tame <laughs> dominican hazing is you show up to hear us recite these 150 psalms but you can't read so you can't participate with us oh man. so with them not being able to read they had a tradition of praying 150 our fathers while the monks were doing that so they also needed a way to keep track of how many Our Fathers they've prayed, and they did that using beads. So the word bead, B-E-D-E, in Middle English originally meant prayer, which is where we get the term bead, B-E-A-D, from. Yeah, so that that, that further uh, kind of solidifies the point I was making earlier. Yep. Like prayer, prayer ropes have been around forever. People have been using pieces of rock on a string. Yep. To, to pray for a minute. Yeah, so that practice by the lay brothers caught on with the rest of the laity uh, and other easily remembered prayers were added as well because people couldn't read, but they wanted to pray and be like the holy men and women mm-hmm. that were, were in these monasteries and uh, you know had a lifestyle of prayer. So during the 15th and 16th centuries, the rosary finally settled on the form that we have today, which is an Apostles' Creed. Our Fathers, Hail Mary. Sorry, this. Oh, these are the these prayers are the prayers in them. Are... There's Apostles' Creed, gotcha. Our Fathers, Hail Marys, uh, Glorias, and Hail Holy Queens, or one Hail Holy Queen. So, those are the prayers that we yep. need to, to that we use to form the Rosary. And I'm about to give you the crash course on how to pray it, and also what we pray when the rosary uh, is, is whipped out. When I... when I Oh, yeah. Some hey, rosary hey, ASMR for you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, for uh, for those at home, the uh, yeah, Colby is currently showing me the rosary he has. And all. Hey, hey, y- you ain't special, man. I got two rosaries within arm's reach right now. I, I, Colby I believe out, you... out here thinks I'm a... I'm a, a heretic, but uh, literally the the rosaries I go to, uh, I I go towards this one, which is a red uh, rosary made out of rose petals. 
still smells of roses. And I have... Is that the one we bought in it Italy? Is. And Yeah, I was about to say, because both of the rosaries I have, like like I said, within yeah. arm's reach, are literally ones we got in Italy and blessed by uh, Pope the, Francis. The one that uh, I carry with me daily is the floor. It's a blue floral uh, rosary. Uh-huh. Davis has a black floral that we both... Like he said, we got blessed by Pope Francis when we were in Italy. We have our bro- rosaries. Yeah, that one's... That one, yeah, that's my uh, that's my truck rosary. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we have the first prayer is the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed was used in the year one twenty five, and it was given its update in the four hundreds, and that's when we stopped updating. That's when we the one we say today is the one that was finalized in the four hundreds, but they were using the Apostles' Creed back in year one twenty five, and that's. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. So, so okay, that's the Apostles' Creed, but it has changed. Like, there's a Nicene. In the there's w- a Nicene Creed. Nicene. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm mixing. That was up. at the okay. Council of Nicaea. Uh, that's a yeah. different, uh, different creed that's also used. Both valid. But I'm um, the uh, one God the Father, the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible. Yeah, that's the Nicene Creed. Okay, yeah, there we go. Mix yeah. them up. The Apostles' Creed's Proceed. shorter and uh, rooted deeply in the Christian tradition, considering it was used in 125. Uh, there's also traditional Protestants use the uh, Apostles' Creed as well. They obviously mean something different when they say the Holy Catholic Church or downgrade that capital C Catholic to a lowercase c Catholic. Uh, and And to clarify... That uh, that lower C Catholic means universal, right. correct? That when they when they yeah. say that, they refer to the church as all believers in Jesus. We yeah. obviously mean Christianity, generally. right? We obviously mean the the actual visible and present church that Jesus gave us, the one with the Pope and the fun hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the apostles, the purpose of the Apostles' Creed is to profess the faith that we have that is based on the teachings of the apostles thus Apostles' Creed. So the first thing you do when starting your rosary is you recite an Apostles' Creed before you really get going. You mean you just don't start counting and say, okay, the big, the spaced out bead is the uh, Our Father and then the close together ones are the Hail Mary? Yes. Dang, you're just blowing my mind right now. (laughs) I must have been doing doing rosaries wrong the whole time. It it is like where you actually hold it. It doesn't matter that much because the Apostles' Creed sneaks you. I hold the crucifix or hold the first bead or, but the first the first bead is an Our Father bead. So the ones that are further apart from each other, those are the Our Father beads. The ones that are close to each other, Hail Mary beads. Yeah. So the and the the. Decades and right, so they're separated. You'll probably get into yeah. You'll probably get into the uh, the actual terminology. Yeah, well, don't let me guess. I won't guess. No, at please it. keep guessing at it. I can't wait till you get something wrong. 
it's always fun whenever oh, the I, whole... find, I find stuff that you don't have a clue about and I can teach you something. Isn't the whole point of this podcast like me being kind of wrong about yeah. things and you tell me exactly. where I'm wrong? Yeah. And, until yeah. I bring up my tree analogies. Mm-hmm. Or law. Or law. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so after after the Apostles' Creed, you want to pray a Our Father or a Pater Noster. Uh, this prayer can be found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, or in Luke 11, 2 through 4. The one in Matthew is the one that we all recite, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory yeah, forever, we, right? Yeah, we don't include that one <laughs> when we're reciting our Father at home. Protestants include it when they pray it at home. Catholics... I, don't, I really don't know why we dropped it, but we dropped it. Or I guess... Oh, we, we, did, we, we dropped didn't it. drop it. It was... At some point, they would have had to drop it, though, because that's what it says in the the Bible. And we say it at Mass, too. There's just... Like, we get to deliver us from evil, and then the priest says, uh, deliver us from every evil Lord. He, he makes an intercession. And then we pick it back up with, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I have no clue why they did that whenever it came to putting the mass together, but because they did that, we just stop it at deliver us from evil at the end of it. Yeah, that no, sounds like a podcast topic. That's also definitely something that, like, as someone who went to, was surrounded by, uh, was Catholic surrounded by Protestants in the South growing up, it was always, I was always so confused about why. Yeah, why do they have it different than yeah. us? So that's a good thing, too, for the, any Protestants listening that, you know, after listening to Colby and Davis for a while, they go, you know what, I want to check out this Mass thing that, that they go to. Whenever you're praying the Our Father, you're going to be like, oh, I got this one, I know what's going on, mm-hmm. cut it off at... About to cru- I'm about to crush Cut it this. off at deliver like- us from evil and pause, and then you're going to get back into it. Because if you keep going, everybody's going to be like, oh, there's the Protestant. Let's go talk to them mm-hmm. and try to get them to join our church. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely the like the, everyone else will cut off, and you're and and the kingdom of the power, it, like you'll you'll kind of trail <laughs> off. It's a it, it's a fun look, but a good way to earn friends. It is a good way to earn friends. If you want to make a bunch of holy holy friends, just go into a Catholic church, keep praying to Our Father, and then five or six people will come up and be like, "Are you new here?" Especially in the southern churches. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah, the, the Catholic community is small <laughs> in the south. So, obviously, Protestants don't have a problem with that prayer. Uh, they, they recite that as well. Uh, the next prayer, and that's the meat of the rosary that we, we have most on, of, of the prayers on the rosary, are the Hail Mary. So, uh, it's Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. So, Davis, do you know where we get the Hail Mary from? No. Can you tell me, Colby? We made it up out of thin air. I'm Love just it. kidding. We didn't do that. It, come, it comes from Luke 1. So, the, <laughs> the first half of the prayer, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Luke 1, 28 is the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Luke 1, 42 is the words of Mary's cousin Elizabeth. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. So when Mary went to... Uh, when Mary went to go meet Elizabeth, who was also pregnant miraculously, and mm-hmm. John was in Elizabeth's womb as soon as uh, as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, John leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth said, "Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb." So the only parts we added there is. Hail Mary, and we put the thy names, womb. and yeah. blessed the fruit of thy womb, and Jesus. Thy womb, Jesus. So we added the names. Yeah. Uh, the second half of the prayer uh, is not directly from Scripture, but it draws its inspiration from Scripture as well. So I guess technically we did make that one up, part of it up out of thin air, but it comes from the biblical ideas, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. So that one we can break down a little more. If Holy Mary... Mary's the first Christian. The Bible describes Christians as holy and refers to them as saints, which literally means holy ones in Ephesians 1.1, Philemon 1.1, and Colossians 1.1. And as the mother of Jesus Christ, the incarnate person of the second trinity, Mary had to be holy. So, holy Mary. And and, and folks, I want to make a quick note here that this is why why Colby's the goat. Uh, because the man, the man has his sources. Oh, Damn, I know where I know where you can find it in the Bible. Now it's gonna. Oh yeah, no, I know more. Now I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely trusting you on this because I'm not fact checking. <laughs> well, that's the kicker. But you say it with a, a lot of confidence. That's the kicker, and and why Protestants don't think we know our Bibles. I know what's in the Bible. I can't rattle off the verse and chapter from it. I have to sit there and go, I know I saw this in the Bible. Oh, thank goodness Google exists. Where is this story? Ah, perfect. And then you can go and find Galatians 3, 2 or whatever and read through it. Yeah. Um, and that's a little side note. It is a it is a common stereotype that Catholics don't know the Bible. And it, it's not, I mean, it's a stereotype and it, uh, it's not that far off. Uh, because, yeah, I, can, I couldn't cite to you a Bible verse past John 3, 16. Or that one in Revelations where it says, "Behold a pale horse," like that was one thing that I'm glad I went to to Protestant school is they did make us memorize Bible verses. Now I mm-hmm. always got it wrong because I didn't use the right version of the Bible. Of course you did, but uh, yeah, but I at least could rattle them off. It is something uh, that I've gotten. I've memorized more and more Psalms after starting to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, which is. Uh, it's a devotion that has three psalms, a Bible verse, and some intercessions. It's something that we pray every day as Catholics. Uh, somebody is always praying it, especially priests, religious, and stuff like that. But memorizing those psalms has been very helpful just in general. Memory's getting better. Know my Bible a little better. Yeah. <laughs> really really getting Socratic with it. Yes. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. Which is a fun rabbit hole to go down if uh, you feel like it. Go go check out Socrates because he straight up believed it, it was like he's the origin of like kids these days and their technology. Because in his day, uh, 
you just memorized everything and then writing came along and they're like kids won't know how to do anything they're not going to be able to remember a thing because they're just they're writing just it down and not it memorizing down. it and the only reason we know about socrates is because people wrote about him back in my like day Aristotle, you just Aristotle, remember Aristotle. things and died and it was done exactly, exactly. aristotle was I, I believe it was we know of him through pliny the elder and uh and Aristotle, and the only reason he exists in our lexicon is because people wrote about him. But yeah, that's a side note. But yeah, keep going with the rosary. So, so we got Holy Mary. That one's not hard to to get past. Mother of God. That is one that Protestants kind of get stuck on. Uh, and that's something that we can go deeper in it with good reason. With good reason. I mean, it is God, and it's a mother of God that not. Seems counter and yeah, and right. The, yeah, and then you also have the Trinity, and yeah, I mean, it is confusing as a concept. Right. So, Mary gave birth to Jesus. Jesus is God. That makes Mary the mother of God. There is a heresy that denies that Mary had God in her womb at all. Uh, that's known as uh, Nestorianism. Nestorianism, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, that claims that Jesus was. Two persons, one human and one divine. That was a heresy that was stamped out in the early 400s and is accepted by pretty much all Christian churches. I can't think of one that doesn't believe that Jesus was one person, fully human and fully divine. So I love how you just walk past stamped out like that was just like they burned a bunch of people. Like who no, said they don't it? Burn, they didn't burn them. They would sit there and go, they had a council and they said, this is a heresy. If you're going to be Christian and not excommunicated from the church, you're going to accept the true teaching. It w- and then you got the you got the boy with the axe just sitting in the back <laughs> waiting to get it wet. Like, uh, that that well, that's how our church. We'll have to go and uh, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. That will be a fun thing of how do I'm how telling do you, we man. stamp out heresies? Oh God. Okay. That'll be a that'll be one I'll have that the, might be, uh, the mute button that ready for. On that'll you. need to be your uh, your history lessons when we get to those episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, can't wait! So anyway, Jesus being fully human and fully divine, Mary gave birth to Jesus. This makes Mary the mother of God. The bigger issue, really, for most non-Catholics, is the pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. This we can. We're going to have to go deeper into the communion of saints and their role in the church, but just to address it here uh, briefly, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That's typically the verse that is thrown at you whenever it says we're not going to pray to saints, we don't need mediators, we don't need anybody between us and Jesus. That seems very clear, right, with that Bible verse. If you read the two verses or the three verses preceding that, so first that was First Timothy two five. It says, "For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ." The verses before that say, first of all, then I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone, for kings and for all authority, that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in all devotion and dignity. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior who wills everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So St. Paul, in the verses preceding 1 Timothy 2.5, 
is asking for prayers and petitions and thanksgivings to be offered for others, which would seem to be another mediator that is not God. So that's something we can't mm. just be like, well, it says there's only one mediator, and that's Christ Jesus. Okay, well, Paul just said to mediate on their behalf and pray for them. So obviously it's not the same thing here to ask the saints or friends or other Christians to pray for you as it is with Christ being the mediator. Those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is a... Uh... Obviously, a subject you were passionate about, my man. Uh, if it's if it's Catholic, I'm <clears throat> passionate about it. And if it's something that, that I I've gone a lot in my life growing up with people throwing little Bible verses at me here and there, and I'm like, "Yep, I don't know how to refute that." And then I go home and I read the verses, and I'm like, "It it says it right there, right there." Yeah. Yeah, no, and I was going to add the clarification in there is that that's the very, that's another common um, misunderstanding of Catholicism is the veneration of saints and specifically the Mother Mary. And we, that's why we spent, you know, the good amount of time on it today. But is that like praying for intercession? That whole concept is, is very foreign. It, like, uh, like, again, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing from my limited knowledge, but I mean, it's it's foreign to the more Protestant uh, flavors of Catholicism, correct? Yeah, it is something that scares a lot of people. Sorry, I said Protestant flavors of Catholicism. I meant Christianity. Yeah. I'll go ahead and correct that. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, it is something that's foreign uh, on the face, but if I've talked to a lot of Protestants and being anecdotal, but I know it happens often where maybe they've lost a, a parent or a grandparent or, or someone close to them, but they believe they're in heaven and believe that they can hear them speaking, where I just know they're in heaven and I talked to her and said, you know, I love you and I'm happy you're in heaven, stuff like that. That's praying to the saints. Anybody who's in heaven is a saint. And if you're speaking to the saints, you're praying to the saints. Okay, so actually that's kind of new to me. The Anyone who's in heaven is a saint, but that's a side note, and we will go into it on our heaven episode. <laughs> episode On episode, I'm going to insert the episode. Okay, perfect. That little perfect. Go point. back and yeah, edit. Perfect. I'm gonna, uh-huh, yep, I'm going to edit it. Perfect. We'll go back. Make a note. Yeah. We'll go back to it. So last thing on that, we know that the prayers of the saints are heard. Uh, we we know that these uh, they take these prayers and lift them to God. This is revealed in Revelation 5.8 where it says, The 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and with golden bowls full of in- incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So those prayers are being lifted up to God. This is something we know from Revelation. Uh-huh. So the fourth prayer that comes into play is the glory be or the gloria or the gloria patri uh that just says glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen so this is a hymn of praise that all christians can join in considering that a staple belief of christianity is the holy trinity you know you have to believe in the trinity to be a a christian no matter what denomination you are Uh, This prayer has been used since the 4th century, 
and refined to its present form around the 7th century. This is recited at uh, the end of each psalm in the Psalter of the Divine Office, the Liturgy of the Hours that I was telling you about earlier, where it's built up mm-hmm. of three psalms and uh, and scripture readings and intercessions. Uh, this is something that is prayed by bishops and deacons uh, every single day because they make a promise during the ordination to pray uh, that Liturgy of the Hours. It's one, it's one of my favorite devotions that I've been doing for since high school. Uh, we'll go over in depth and, that day because it's really cool, and I love it. But Yeah, and, and, and Colby mentioned the Liturgy of the Hours um, beforehand, but like for those of you out there who are not as familiar with it, it is um, essentially a prayer that is someone on planet Earth is praying at any given time, and they're playing, pray, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, they're praying for your soul, Everyone's souls, everyone in heaven. Uh, They're which praying is one for of the, the world. Cool... All right, sorry about that, guys. Uh, I believe I was talking about the liturgy of the hours, and my internet decided to die. So, uh, so yeah. The devil doesn't want us to learn this information. Satan's keeping us from doing this podcast. But guess what, guys? We have the technical ability to move around it. But yeah, no. One of the cool things... Satan works hard, but we work harder. Yeah, so one of the cool things I like about the Liturgy of the Hours is that, like, at, uh, at any given time, someone's praying about you. Specifically, you. And I find that super neat. Yeah, at, at any given moment, there is somebody in the world who's praying their morning prayer or their evening prayer. Great thing about time zones. Uh, but, yeah, they're praying for the world... I, that's one of the reasons I love it is just knowing it's constantly being prayed. But I mention the the liturgy, the hours too, is because the rosary is sometimes referred to as the poor man's psalter. Psalter being those three psalms that are can, in can there. Can you spell that? Can um, you spell that for me? Because psalter, S A L P. Oh, 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 oh! It starts yeah, with a P. P S. Oh, it starts with a P. That, yeah, P S A L T E R. So it's right psalms. Oh, the psalter. Okay. Right. So the Psalter is a book that contains the 150 psalms in it. It's just the book of psalms. Before printing was invented and books were expensive and most of the world was illiterate and poor, those monks had the books and were praying the Psalter. The lay brothers, they couldn't read, so they prayed the rosary, and the rest of the laity wanting to pray every single day started praying the rosary, and that's where we we get that, being called the poor man's Psalter. Uh, So the closing prayer... You know, we're going around the beads. We got the Our Father, Ten Hail Marys, Glory Be. Uh, At the end of it is the Hail Holy Queen. The Hail Holy Queen is uh, composed in the 11th century. It's also called the Salve Regina. It says, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Yeah, I don't know that at all. That one, and that and that's fine. And there's also some other prayers that people will put on to the end, to, uh, end of it. There's the Oh My Jesus prayer. There's an ending prayer on the rosary as well that some people do, but those are your basics. That's what you need for the rosaries. The Our Fa- the Apostles' Creed, Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, Hail Holy Queen. These prayers 
if you look at a rosary, it has, you know, five sets of ten beads marked with the Our Father beads in between them. Those prayers are uh, broken up into decades, is what we call them, the ten beads. It's not ten years, it's just the ten beads. And during each one of those decades where we're praying those ten Hail Marys, the idea is that we are reflecting on a different mystery in the life of Jesus and his mother. So the 15 decades make up a full rosary. 20 that John Paul II added to, but we're sta- sticking to the yeah, basics. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to get, let, let's stick with the standard here. Let's not get crazy. Right. I, I don't want to, uh, I, I know there will be Catholics that are listening to it like, he didn't talk about that one, so that's why I just mentioned it there. But we're sticking with the 15 decades make up a full rosary, which if you tackle a full rosary, takes you about 45 minutes. Uh, most people will stick to just doing the five decades uh, when they pray the rosary. You can pray those five. Most people, whenever they say, I prayed the rosary, they mean they prayed the five decades. It takes about 15 minutes. Yeah, I was about to say, because that's my normal, like, how I do it, in that, like, I lead off with, of course, I've been joking about being not known in the rosary, but, uh, yeah, my method is uh, be like, okay, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, Lead off, I believe I've, I've led off with St. Michael the Archangel. Um, and then, essentially, yeah, Hail Mary on the first small one. The three middle ones, that's Our Father, Hail Mary again, Our Father, and then start with the decades. Right, so before you get to the decades, you get the Apostles' Creed, Our Father on the big bead, or on the first bead. Then there's three Hail Marys. And then there's a glory be. Okay, so I'm missing the glory that's be, to get but, you. but not that far off. Yeah. No, that that's to prime you. Gotcha. For the rest of the rosary, that's to get you get you into it. The three uh, Hail Marys are prayers for the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. So your first Hail Mary, that's to bring you faith. The second one's to bring you hope. The third one's to be bring you charity. Don't worry, you're still getting them. If you didn't know that before, as well. I mean, again, I'm getting, yeah, you know, I'm um, getting the points, right? Yeah, you're getting the points. God, God's hearing you. Appreciate that. But the 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 main thing about the rosary is is it's always seen as the just repetitive prayer and boring and things like that. The main focus of the rosary is to be focusing in on one of the mysteries of the story of salvation the points in Jesus and Mary's life that led up to our salvation. They're broken up into uh, the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the glorious mysteries. The joyful mysteries are the Annunciation, can, can you, can which is in Luke 1. Can you briefly explain mysteries in the context of Catholicism? Because you say that like it's nothing, but it's but that is a thing, uh, the mysteries. at It's like a term of art within the Catholic Church. Right, the mysteries are, are points in the uh, story of salvation that we didn't dream up of. We, we can't really, as humans, had to be revealed to us rather than science us. Science can't explain. Going, hey, this is. Science can't explain. This is how uh, God laid it out for us, and we don't understand it fully. Even though, you know, we, we might understand like the crowning of thorns 
that's one of the mysteries. We might understand, okay, yeah, he physically had a, a crown made of thorns, but we don't really understand the full spiritual nature of what happened during that mystery. You know, that's something that will be revealed to us once we're in heaven. That's, uh, you know, we can see the parallels between a crown being kinged and how Jesus suffered, but we can't see all the angels that were surrounding him at that time as well and venerating him and his coronation, things like that. So whenever we say mysteries, it's those things that we don't fully understand, that we have faith that God had a reason behind each of those okay, things. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the they're, they're broken up into joyful mysteries, sorrowful mysteries, and glorious mysteries. The joyful mysteries are the Annunciation. That's when uh, the angel Gabriel came down to uh, Mary and said, God has this plan. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to give birth to the Savior. His name's going to be Jesus, all that jazz. That uh, you can find in Luke 1. The next is the visitation. That's when Mary, we talked about earlier, went to her cousin Elizabeth and John in the womb of Elizabeth, jumped for joy. Uh, that's in Luke 1 as well. Then there's the nativity. That's when Jesus was born. Uh, that is Luke 2. The presentation in the temple. Uh, that's when Jesus was brought to the temple as a baby. And uh, St. Simeon gave his, his remarks to Mary and Joseph and said, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My eyes have seen the salvation which you have brought in the sight of every people. Uh, that is in Luke 2 as well. And then the finding of Jesus as a child in the temple whenever the caravan was off and Mary and Joseph were like, we, we left our, our son at the temple and had to hightail it back and they found him listening to the teachers. And, and, and he told them, did you not think I'd be in your my father's house? Yeah, that... Uh... Which, you know, bold, bold response um, from Jesus on that one. Like, you know, in, in my raising, that's known as talking back uh, or, ha or having a bit of a smart mouth, uh, especially after, you know, your father and mother are that's... sitting there panicking, coming back to you and be like, where'd you think I'd be? Come on, fam. That's the one that... Uh... That's the one that my dad has the biggest... I think that's his biggest hang-up in his faith that he has to get over is Jesus wasn't without sin. He absolutely sinned at that moment by talking back to his parents and giving them a heart attack and stuff yeah, like that. Uh, so, so, like, my, my one time... It what makes it a mystery. Yeah, my one time in episode where I say something I'm going to regret in front of St. Peter. But, uh, but yeah, I know. It's like Jesus was, like, well-known to be a smart-ass back in his day. And to be fair, what was he, like, yeah. 13 or something like that? Yeah, that sounds like something a 13-year-old would say. <laughs> well, we know it wasn't sinful, but it's a mystery. Again, something we'll have to figure out Oh, later. it sounds like something that uh, <laughs> the Catholic Church wasn't um, too prepared to uh, make a comment on. Be like, oh, it's a mystery. No, Jesus is straight <laughs> up being a smartass. <laughs> We'd like to not make a comment on that at this uh -huh, time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the joyful mysteries, a lot of them centered around, you know, Jesus's incarnation coming down here, being a, a human person uh, and growing. The sorrowful mysteries, that focuses more on Jesus's passion, uh, his death, and they start with the agony on the guard in the garden. Uh, in Matthew 26, whenever he's gone off to pray before he's about to be led to, to 
Pontius Pilate. The uh, next one is the scourging at the pillar when Pilate was like, all right, just have him flogged and then he's good. Uh, so scourging the pillar was from Matthew 27, 26. Uh, the crowning of thorns, which is 27, 29, whenever the, the soldiers put the crown of thorns on him. The carrying of the cross, which is in John 19, uh, and the crucifixion uh, when he died in Luke 20, 23. Uh, so those are the sorrowful mysteries that focus on Jesus' passion. The glorious mysteries are the resurrection, Jesus rising from the dead in Luke 24, the ascension, Jesus rising into heaven uh, in Luke 24, the descent of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is when uh, it was Pentecost and all the uh, disciples were there and started speaking in tongues mm -hmm. where every nation could hear them. Uh, that's Acts 2. The assumption of Mary into heaven. This is something that's sacred tradition. You're not going to find that in the Bible. That's just something the early Christians passed on to uh, the church and passed on to us today. Um, and then her coronation as the queen of heaven. That's something you can find in the Bible in uh, Revelation 12, that she has the crown of 12 stars uh, as the queen of heaven. So I know that that I glossed over the assumption of Mary. That'll have to be its own. Oh, yeah, thing. no, no. We don't have time. I mean, to I mean it's, <laughs> it's dense to begin with just because, like, you know, it, it requires so much citation. However, uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a good summary. So, like, I guess to kind of wrap up, if you, unless you have anything else. Okay, cool. Um, so, to wrap up, say you start at the bottom of the rosary, you start on the crucifix. What's the order? Mm -hmm. So, you start on the crucifix. So, and we're also using the Tell standard, uh, we're also using the standard five decades. Five decade yeah. rosary. Yeah. So, if you're going to pray a rosary, you're going you're gonna to see the circle and then three or five beads and a crucifix hanging off of the yeah. circle. You're going to hold the crucifix or hold the first bead or just hold the rosary, whatever. You're going to start with an Apostles' Creed. Okay. So you're going to say the Apostles' Creed. Next, you're, the first bead on that tassel is your Our Father bead. You're going to say the Our Father. Then you're going to say three Hail Marys. After that, so there's three more beads right closer to each other. You're going to say three Hail Marys. Then you're after you say the third Hail Mary, you're gonna you can hold on to that next bead and say that that next Our Father bead. You can hold on to that and say a Glory be. After you've said the Glory be, now you're off to the races. You want to acknowledge what the mystery that you're focusing on is. So if you're praying the joyful mysteries, you'll just say I'm. Uh, th you'll go. This is the Annunciation. So you will be reflecting on the Annunciation as you pray this first decade. So you'll. Take that Our Father bead, which is right after those three Hail Mary beads. You've already said your glory be. Then you're going to start saying the Our Father to start off that decade. You're going to say the Our Father. Then you're going to move on to the first of the Hail Mary beads. There will be ten beads really close to each other. You're going to pray ten Hail Marys as you're reflecting on the uh, Annunciation. Uh -huh. Once you've said those ten Hail Marys, you're going to say a glory be. I like to hold my hand in between in that space that's between the last Hail Mary be and the Our Father bead. Uh, but you're going to say the glory be right there. After you say the glory be, you're going to acknowledge the next 
mystery. The next one's going to be the visitation if we're going to stick with the joyful mysteries. Uh, and then you're going to do the same thing over again. Our Father mm-hmm. on the Our Father bead, 10 Hail Marys, Glory Be. Then you're going to do the next mystery, the Nativity, Our Father, Hail Marys, Glory Be. And you're going to do that two more times till you finish your five decades of the rosary. Cool. So I have no excuse now. You know how to do it. Well, dang. Takes 15, min- takes 15 minutes a day, and uh, the more I've been praying it, and the more I've been studying about it, I'm finding all these saints that are like, uh, I would worry for my salvation if I wasn't praying the rosary every day. That's how how much confidence it can give well, you. Great. Uh, we talked. Sorry, good. We talked about that. We talked about exorcisms earlier. The uh, head exorcist in the Vatican. Uh, he said every time he, uh, well, multiple times while he was doing exorcisms, he might start saying a Hail Mary, and he said demons hate a Hail Mary more than anything out there. So, fight the demons. I mean, he'd be the one to know, pray right? The rosary. Yeah. Well, so. You killed my great segue, you know, because I was going to say something along the lines of like, oh, about all these saints you're learning about. Well, here's Davis's opportunity. Let me tell you about a new one. But I can't do that, Sorry. so I'm going to have to do that anyway. <laughs> so guess what? The one we're learning about today is Anglicanized is uh, Joseph of Cupertino. And that's and that's no. not Cupertino like where... Uh, Apple's headquarters is not Cupertino, California. It's Cupertino, Italy. But uh, old Joseph Joseph of Cupertino, have you heard of him, Colby? I have. Heard Damn. Of him. Okay. Well, whatever. Everybody else is gonna learn. He's he's pretty cool. He had some cool stuff going yeah. on. So old Joseph of Cupertino, an Italian Giuseppe de Cupertino. Um, Cupertino was rough, but I have Beautiful. Giuseppe down. Uh, this man was destined to be a priest, like on the jump. So before the man was even born, his father died, uh, and his family home ended up being seized to pay the family debts, and therefore his mother gave birth to him in a stable. Uh, so, so I mean, if you're not drawing the uh, the parallels here, it's very similar to uh, Jesus's story. Uh, but yeah, so he was born in a stable in the kingdom of Naples, Italy, uh, in 1603. He is the patron saint of aviation, astronauts, mental handicaps, examinations, and students. So, Davis, why is he the patron saint of aviation? Well, Colby, I'm going to tell you, because that's my only role here. <laughs> so... As I'm going to do, I'm going to walk through the man's life. But uh, he began having religious visions as a kid, and predictably, he applied to be a Franciscan monk. Uh, but he was initially rejected due to his lack of education, which is something I learned I did not know in the 17th century that you had to have a certain level of education to be a monk. So that's, yeah, a little out of left field. thought that was just kind of a thing. You just went to go be a monk. Uh, but anyway, once he did get accepted, which is shortly thereafter, uh, well, he was promptly dismissed uh, from being a uh, from being a monk because uh, those visions I mentioned he had uh, 
Apparently they made him unfit for the duties of being a monk. So yeah, wanted to be a monk, ended up being a monk, then shortly got dismissed. Uh, so then he went. You're too. You're too in tune with God for this. Uh, this community. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so he ended up going back and uh, going back home and working in a stable for several years. And uh, apparently, folks were the priests around town were seeing him being living this very humble lifestyle. Really appreciated that. Uh, kind of recommended him for priesthood. He began, and then he was eventually ordained a priest in uh, 1628. Uh, and then he went to go work at a convent outside his hometown where he would live for the next 15 years. And during this 15 years is where it gets spicy. And why he is the patron saint of levitation. Well, I just gave it away. Uh, damn it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> the patron saint of aviation. Of aviation? Did you say aviation, uh, Davis? yeah, sure. Anyway. Anyway. During this 15 years, uh, the man allegedly began to levitate whenever he would participate in mass, which, uh, you know, given the times and the lack of uh, entertainment, was a big hit with the congregation. Kind of became famous <laughs> around the local parts. Uh, however, the church, as in capital C, the church, uh, was not a fan of these this antics, so uh, they ended up confining him to a small cell because they said it was uh, very distracting. Um, also, uh, given that levitating was widely believed to be connected with witchcraft, uh, old Joe was reported to the Inquisition, and that's why I was also really excited to do this on the lead-off of this podcast, because literally I'm talking about a monk in the Inquisition. Uh, and for those who don't know, so, so go ahead. Uh, to to also just to give defense of why they could put him in a cell too. Yeah, if it's distracting to the point where people might be like, "I gotta worship that guy who's floating," the church is gonna put you in a cell just because. And, and when we say cell, it's not like jail cell. It, it a cell is just your room, <laughs> if you're a priest or a monk. Yeah, or whatever. I mean, yeah, they they can't live in much more than a closet, which would be like three thousand in rent in New York today. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so, uh, like I said, since he was, uh, connect, possibly might be connected with witchcraft, uh, they reported him to the Inquisition, which, um, for those who are, are not as familiar with the Inquisition, uh, it's, large, it's essentially a group within the Catholic Church uh, that tasked with preventing heresy and uh, conducting trials for suspected heretics. Uh, the early Renaissance Inquisition was known as the Roman Inquisition, um, which spawned the more familiar term uh, that y'all might know, uh, the Spanish Inquisition. Um, yeah. But it has been a... I tell you what, if... Go ahead. If he, if he was put in front of the Inquisition, I bet he just did not expect that. Yeah, yeah, no... No one ever, no one ever expects uh, the Inquisition. I for that joke thing. I walked right into <laughs> it. But, uh... But yeah, so that but it, the Inquisition as a whole kind of started in the, uh, I believe the early 12th century, but it ran for a minute. Um, so yeah, but on the Inquisition's command, old Joe was carted uh, to different friaries uh, around Italy for the next about 35 years, uh, including Assisi for uh, 14 years, which Colby and I have spent some time mm -hmm. in. Real, real cool place. 
uh, also the birthplace of... Good brag. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, also the birthplace of uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Um, but yeah, so during this time, uh, this 35 years that he was carted around, um, he only ate solid food twice a week, and he added bitter powders to his meals to make them more uh, essentially difficult. It was a very, uh, it's a old Greek term, I believe it's uh, aestheticism. It's the origin of the word for, yeah, aesthetics. But, uh, but yeah, very interesting. Man was uh, very, very uh, humble and lived on nothing. Uh, but eventually they let him go back to a convent uh, around 1657, and he ended up dying about seven years later in 1663. Uh, he ended up being canonized in 1767. I'm rolling out a lot of dates. Uh, and his feast day is September 18th. And as... Oh, coming up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also the shortest uh, time frame between death and canonization that we've discussed so far. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so... Uh, the, the cool thing about those saints is that it didn't start, like... He didn't just start levitating at the first get-go. He, he was prayerful, and he was holy, and, and lived his life according to God's will. And God used that humility that he already had because you can't give somebody who's not completely humble the power to levitate that just would go straight to their head yeah that's how you get a cult later quick yes so you got to start with the humility and then god builds you up and i had actually heard of joseph before this but um but something i did not know uh as to the levitations and the visions he had as a kid um some scholars might have uh, have suggested that uh, those visions and possible levitations were caused by ERCOT in the bread during the Middle Ages. Uh, and for those of you who don't know or are not familiar with ERCOT, uh, ERCOT is a fungus that grows on rye, uh, like rye bread, which uh, contains lysergic acid. Um, and it is a known kind of, it's kind of a hallucinogen in a lot of... Uh, like the dancing fevers of the Middle Ages and what have you have kind of been attributed, suggested been attributed to uh, ERCOT. But uh, that fungus that uh, grows on rye contains lysergic acid, which is a precursor to something else you might be familiar with, uh, lysergic acid dithalamide, otherwise known as LSD. Okay, so it's possible that the hosts that were distributed at mass. Shrippin' balls. They had that ERCOT on them, and, and they just saw him levitating as part of that. That That's pretty cool, yeah, too. Yeah, so, uh, it's I mean, it's it's kind of a common thing if you read um, any decent amount of, like, kind of middle-aged uh, history. Uh, it seems like there's always a historian. Now, I am... Definitely not a historian, but uh, it always seems like there's one historian that's like, well, there's this crazy thing that happened. Oh, it must be ERCOT in the bread. Like, they must have been yeah, driven balls. Like, all right, maybe. Uh, because, I mean, this is kind of on the, the very, very tail end of the Middle Ages, so, like, maybe, maybe not. But still kind of an interesting thought. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and there will be people, too, who will throw that out, like, they were all just tripping when I... Okay, if they were, so what? That was still miraculous to them then. They didn't know what was going on. It For me, it never debunks the glories of God. I mean, yeah, they didn't have, they didn't sure have a trip have... setter. 
Well, yeah, so so that's you know God absolutely could have made him levitate, or he could have also you know at that particular convent they every time they had host for consecration had some Urkot on it and the people that partook in the mass saw him levitate. So yeah, no that that just it never it never makes the story any less miraculous to me at least i'm sure to some it does and it's also history so like you know it you know there's a bit of speculation involved especially with the uh the real early saints i'm gonna talk about but uh but otherwise you know yeah yeah and it's also he's not a saint because he was levitating he was levitating because he was a saint and he lived a heroic life that was focused on God throughout the rest of it. So that's, you know, it doesn't really matter in the long run on those yeah. things. Well, uh, but very cool. Yeah. Well, neat. But uh, thanks for everyone sticking around us. Apologize for the the middle part where we uh, have some technical difficulties, which I have now found out was my internet connection. So I have a fun phone call to my ISP in the morning. So uh, that <laughs> also might uh, delay the release of this podcast, so maybe you'll get a two for next week if we can't get yeah. it out this Give week. Give us five so. stars for Davis trying to edit the audio for this. <laughs> five stars for editing, four and a half for con- content. Just round it up. Give us the five. Exactly. Uh, let your friends know. Tell your friends and tell your enemies as well because we're to love our enemies. Thanks for ending that on a positive note. but. Everyone have a good week. (laughs) See y'all. See ya. Peace.